0: God's mercy. i
1: Sing that song. Um, it is no secret. And as we get ready to sing that song, we'll uh, go ahead and change the order of the service and uh, go before Him. Uh, let's just sing that song. Okay.
0: It is no secret.
1: And pray for these. And also, uh, before we get into the specials, if I could have the deacons be ready to uh, come forward for the tithes and offering. If you would please uh, play something softly, Sister Becky. We just want to remember uh, Brother John Cockman here. He's still uh, dealing with a broken tooth. Uh, We also want to remember uh, the Harwells who are away preparing for the wedding this weekend. Uh, We also want to remember uh, Sister Hannah Whitlock, who is still uh, sick. We also uh, want to remember Brother Andy Irish's mother. And uh, we also want to remember Sister Shirley Lingle's mother as well, who is in rehab. And uh, we also want to remember uh, Brother Brian McCall, who is working today. Also, if you would please remember Sister Christy. She is uh, still in the hospital. And... So if you would, please remember uh, Sister Sarah Buchanan, my mom. She's at home right now with bronchitis. And also, just remember uh, Dad as well. He has a special unspoken prayer request. Um, We also have a prayer request here for uh, Sister Anita Baker Phillips from Logan, Ohio. Um, She was diagnosed with non-Hodgkin's lymphoma and had to be airlifted. And uh, is currently, I believe, in surgery. Right now, so if we could just remember her as well, and if you would see it so you know how you can pray for these.
2: Let's just bow our heads before Him. Father, we come before you, Lord, humbly tonight, Lord. And we're just so thankful to be in Your house once again, Lord Jesus, bringing us from all walks of life and from work, Lord, and we ask that you just come by, Lord, and visit us tonight. Lord, we ask that you use the lips of the speaker tonight to touch our hearts, Lord, and to wash us with your spirit, Lord. We ask that you just come before, Lord, and just come on the scene for these needs that you've, Lord, that we've heard tonight. Lord, this one that's in surgery right now for cancerous process, Father, we ask that you just come on the scene, be with the doctor's hands. Lord, touch this saint's life, Lord, and we ask that your will be done, Father, before all things, Lord. We ask once again, Lord, that you just touch us, Lord. Honor our faith, Lord. Father, we love you, we thank you for all things. Bless the service, bless the tithes and offerings. In your name we pray, amen.
1: Amen. Let's sing that song, um, Pass Me Not, in F.
0: Pass me not, O Jesus.
3: Enjoy listening to Sister Sherry Holly sing this song, and she's not here for me to ask her to sing it. So I hope she won't mind if, if I do after the service Sunday. It was just such a such a sweet, such a sweet service, and I enjoyed it so much. I've just been singing this song. I trust it'll be a blessing to you. One glorious day Jesus came and made me whole, He so completely then satisfied my soul. Now as I face life's dark troubled stormy sea, I wonder if He is satisfied with me. I want my Lord to be satisfied with me. I want my life to be what He'd have it be. Then when I come to that great eternity, His smile will say He is satisfied with me Well, I'm satisfied With God's great redemption plan I'm satisfied It's sufficient for all of man And I'm satisfied With His work on Calvary But is my Lord truly satisfied with me? I want my Lord to be satisfied with me. I want my life to be what He'd have it be. Then when I come to that great eternity, I will say he is satisfied with me. Lord, give me strength, give me courage to make me bold, that I might lead some lost sheep into thy fold. Then I might stand unafraid, unmoved for Thee, That You can say You are satisfied with me. I want my Lord to be satisfied with me. I want my life to be what He'd have it be. great eternity. His smile will say he is satisfied with me. I want my Lord to be satisfied with me. I Eternity, his smile will say, He is satisfied with me. Then, when I come to that great eternity, his smile will say, He is satisfied with me.
1: Thank you for that. Let's stand and as Brother Barry comes, let's uh, try this song again this evening, um, Falling in Love.
0: Oh, falling in love with Jesus. Lean in love
4: And to be able to dine tonight, fill our cups. I pray. Speak to every heart, Lord. I just pray that you would forgive us of anything, any way that we have grieved the Holy Spirit. And Lord, you would just be free to move from vessel to vessel, Lord. And as the Apostle Paul said, we pray that you would have free course among us. And Lord, just direct the word to every heart. We pray. Meet every need and touch those special needs. In the name of Jesus Christ, we pray, amen and amen. Praise the Lord. Take your Bible, if you don't mind, let's go to First Peter chapter 5. We'd like to read a little passage there tonight. First Peter chapter 5, good to be with you on a Wednesday night. First Peter, the fifth chapter, we'd like to read a couple of verses beginning at verse 5. Likewise, ye younger, submit yourselves unto the elder. Yea, all of you be subject one to another, and and be clothed with humility. For God resisteth the proud, and giveth grace to the humble. Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, that he may exalt you in due time, casting all your care upon him, for he careth for you. May the Lord bless his word. You may be seated tonight. Good to have the Menards back. Good to have the Stevens back. Good to have Sister Amber with us tonight. Uh, Pritchard's down there. God bless you. Good to have you here, each and every one. Good to have Sister Casey back. Her dad is uh, in the hospital, Brother Frejo, and uh, has got uh, some pretty severe back problems, and so we want to remember him in prayer, and uh, just trust that the Lord will undertake for Brother brother Frejo. Um, Also, as well, we want to remember Sister Christy Williams. Sister Christy is in hospital undergoing some serious treatment, and um, we want to hold her up in prayer. She really struggles, and she really has difficulties just in navigating through life, and so we want to remember her in prayer, if you don't mind. Without going into all the details... We also want to remember tonight Sister Kristen uh, Godwin, and uh, they're not here tonight because they're getting very close to her time. As a matter of fact, she said, if you want to pray that I go, pray away. And uh, they're right at that point, though, so they're not here tonight, and uh, we sure uh, trust that the Lord will uh, bless Sister Kristen, and very thankful that we've gotten to where we are uh, with her, and so we're just... Trusting the Lord will see her through. Uh, I, I'm not sure whether Sister Hannah Whitlock was mentioned tonight. She had an infection, uh, also as well. Peter's not here. He's working, and we want to uh, continue to remember Sister Mary Smith. Uh, just uh, having difficulties just day to day, and uh, praying that the Lord will give her and strength and Brother Smith strength to be able to care one for another because that's a real challenge at this point in life. Welcome to Wednesday night. This is the Wednesday night for the rest of your life, Lord willing. Uh, meaning that uh, we're probably at the end of our broadcast uh, for Wednesday nights. So I don't know whether you think that's a good thing or not or whether... Um, <laughs> I guess it's interesting. Get some in- different reactions here. Uh, but we, I would encourage you to come along. I thank you for coming along and encourage the, the assembly to come along. I know it's Wednesday night. Uh, I know it um, you know, makes it a long day, and I understand that, uh, especially you that have the drive. But uh, it's also a long drive for us. And uh, yet I think we're, at this point where we're still having one service on Sunday, having this live service on Wednesday is good. Uh, there is a, a definite thing called Zoom burnout, and uh, I understand that. I, I certainly do understand that. So uh, we are grateful for the opportunity to be able to meet together, and I kind of feel like we won't be able to do this forever, uh, so we'll do it as much as we can. And I'll say this, I don't think that we'll be able to discuss this subject uh, forever, and so uh, I I just kind of want to jump in and, and deal with this because we're living in changing times. Our society is changing, whether we like it or not. Uh, in our little community here of the church and believing, and if you're homeschooling, uh, in a sense you're kind of uh, in a bit of a bubble uh, in terms of where the real world is. And uh, I, I know that, and I freely admit that. But there's, uh, you know, there are things that are changing out there slowly and methodically, and they're moving contrary to the kingdom of God. And so, therefore, you're going to need uh, more than just, you know, we're, we're going to need, all the good teaching we can get, in order to pass it along to our children, to be able to live it in our home, and then to be able to pass it on to our uh, generations that follow. Uh, and I, I think that uh, our days of even of streaming are probably numbered. You know, where we may not be able to stream forever. Uh, and so, uh, to me, I, I kind of expect change all the time when it comes to uh, where we're headed in our in our culture and in our country. Uh so, in a sense, I'm here uh, tonight and dealing with this subject here, Shalom in the Home, uh, and I, I appreciate the, the good feedback. I think this is probably the first time we've done it in person here. I think this has always wound up being on the broadcast. Uh, but uh, the idea is to create that uh, the right atmosphere in our home because I believe that that is really uh, the front line of where God wants to deal with us. It is it is true that uh, you know God deals with us in church and in hearing the word and uh, you know being in this kind of an atmosphere where we're all grouped together, but it's really played out mostly at home, and then we take it out into the world that we're commissioned to go out where we are called to be salt and light, and uh, so it's it's certainly a challenge. So I'm fighting for your future, and I'm standing with you to help uh, you that are married and raising kids and the challenges you have. Uh, you know, to help you to get it right according to the scripture. Uh, also, as well, for you that are young here and not starting families, but eventually going to start families, uh, to hear the language so that you can begin to employ it when you, uh, when you get to that place of having kids of your own and families of your own. And then, uh, you know, for those in the August season of life, uh, to be able to be an influence uh, on the younger generations. And that's the way God structured it, right? I mean, I've said this before, God could have done it differently. He could have had everybody born on the earth same day. Then we all would have had our birthday on the same day. I mean, that's the way he could have done it, right? It would have been horizontal. Everybody same age. We all grew up together, kids together, teenagers together, destroying the world together. And then, you know, marrying and then growing old together and all be dead together. You know, I mean, God could have done it that way. Who's, but who's around to tell God a better way? He did it like this. He didn't do it like this. He did it like this. So everyone's on, on the road somewhere, right? Everybody's on the incline somewhere. And the newborns are down here, and the older folks are up here, in, just in terms of time now. Not in terms of worth, but in terms of time. So when you're down here on this lower spectrum, you always got somebody to look to who's older than you and been on the road a little longer. A little more experience, a little more wisdom, a little more uh, scars to be able to uh, to show for their struggle and their 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 walk through this life. So we always have somebody to look to, and that's the way that God built it. That's the way God did it in the in the beginning. He didn't have everybody in the Garden of Eden. He just had two. But then also the opposite of that structure is true as well. In that if you're up here on the experience side, you've you got to realize you have somebody coming up who's watching you, and you have a responsibility to impart good things to that generation that are coming. So whether they want to hear it or not, and that's what Paul means when he says that we should be instant in season, out of season, right? We should tell it when they want to hear it and when they don't. And even though there are, sometimes I get things thrown back in my face where uh, people say, well, that's outdated, you know, that's, that's a dated concept or something else, Hey, the scripture is never out of date. It's never out of date. It's always in season. And it's always correct to preach the word of God and to lay those principles in there. So that's why I say uh, I feel like I'm fighting for our futures here uh, because in so many ways our, our world uh, is better, uh, you know, technically and so forth. But yet there's a price that comes with that. That better has a cost. And I believe that technology has changed our culture and changing thinking. I said that our, our world has changed, and I think partly because of, of technology. Now, remember, uh, the, 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 the thing, things like technology are a symptom of changes in the world, symptom of prophecies being fulfilled, where uh, God told Daniel that in the end, knowledge will increase. So when, when, uh, when we come to a place like today where technology has, uh, has increased in an exponential way, then thinking changes with that. The things that young people know today will shock most most adults and most parents. Uh, it's incredible, as a matter of fact. matter of fact, this, it, I've come to the place where I almost don't want to know. i got to know because of the position that I hold. But it's just amazing sometimes how far kids are ahead of uh, me and just in terms of knowledge. I don't find that intimidating because I don't care how smart kids are. The Bible is still true. How many of you believe that? I don't care how many apps, how many, how many, uh, you know, technological advances the world makes, the Bible is still true. And so I'm gonna hold to that. And I know that, uh, you know, the, the Lord, He promised never to leave us nor forsake us. So, uh, you know, I, I, I believe that the bride is moving at the right pace. Even though the culture may be moving at a hyper pace, the bride's moving at the right pace. And God knows exactly where He's taking the bride. But in this world, because of the uh, increases of technology, and then, uh, you know, this, this, as, as you're probably already painfully aware, this is, a, uh, you know, a special month uh, for a certain category, category of our society, which is only 4% of the population. In that atmosphere, integrity, purity, fidelity, and monogamy are like words that belong in a museum. Right? When you start to go ministering on things like that, integrity, purity, fidelity, monogamy, uh, and, and you know, the, the, the purity that should go with the Christian life, hey, a lot of people in the world, they don't even relate, don't even understand what that means. And Satan's at work, I believe, slow cooking the generation that's coming up to where uh, there's nothing that's left sacred anymore. And so remember this now, going to heaven is not about what you do, it's what you believe. Going to heaven is not about what you do, going to heaven is about what God's revealed to you and the predestinated plan that God has. So therefore, we're not trying to get good to get God, but rather uh, we get God, so, sorry, let me say it right. We don't get good to get God, but we get we have God to get good. We have God who makes us good. He makes us acceptable. And I think it's important for us to recognize that, uh, you know, like Jacob and Esau back there, Esau chose whatever it, whatever it took to feel good in the moment. And he had an inherent weakness to go after the thing that made him feel good in the moment. He sacrificed destiny over desire. Think about this. Esau sacrificed destiny over desire. His desire was to have something right now. But he sacrificed the destiny uh, that he could have had by taking the thing that made him feel good now. And what a folly that was because next morning he was hungry again, right? And Satan knows how to do this. He knows how to do that in our time. He knows that now how to, how, how to do that in every age. And, and so therefore, even though he can't steal eternal life, he can still distract people from the, the purpose that God has them here for on the earth. So in saying that, I, I, I say that the subject here of shalom, I think, is an important one because uh, to, a, to a Jewish person, shalom is at the beginning and ending of everything that they do. So, for instance, in, when you go to Israel uh, and you, you want to learn the greeting. When I go to a country, I always like to learn God bless you and hello and goodbye and thank you and a few other basic uh, phrases. In, in, in Israel, when you say hello, it's shalom. When you say goodbye, it's shalom also. Because shalom is meant to uh, to describe everything that they think and all words, all ideas, uh, it, it should accompany us wherever we go. So it is not just a, not just a simple greeting. It is, it is, in a sense, it is a wish for somebody. It is a blessing for somebody when we say shalom. And I believe that in our homes there should be a shalom that the world that is different from the world, because the world really lacks shalom. How many would agree? Our home should be a place of comfort, not conflict. Our home should be a haven from hostility and a place where you you have a sanctuary from the stings of life. Your kids should, I think, uh, our kids should see parents as a, uh, a people to seek out rather than people to avoid. And our home should be a place to escape to, not from. Let me say it again. I believe our home should be a place to escape to, not from. Many times, though, and I'm not talking about our kids here, I'm not specifically talking about you, but in our world there's a disconnect between uh, children and parents because children feel like, and very often teenagers feel like, that their parents don't listen or understand them and that obviously leads to a lot of conflict. And the conflict will take all kinds of forms. It'll take the form of rebellion and disobedience, uh, monosyllabic answers. What's a monosyllabic answer? It's real simple. You know, when parents will ask their kids, well, how was school today? Fine. Everything went okay? Yeah. Learn anything? Nope. Got homework? Yep. Those are monosyllabic answers. We have the trappings of the good life because we can all have so many gadgets. But I will tell you something. Many times in many homes, shalom is the thing that's missing. I believe, I believe that it's important for us, listen, I believe that it's important for us to learn the qualities and the benefits of of communication within our families because we are going to create a dysfunctional family and dysfunctional young people if we slink off into our various corners with our devices to avoid the pain of interacting. It's easy to kind of separate ourselves and uh, plug in and pl- turn everybody else out. It's easy. To, and again, I'm not talking about you here. I'm not being critical of you. I'm just saying that in our culture, everybody's tied to a device. And as a result of that, we avoid the pain of interacting. I think it's important. You know, a, a real relationship requires interaction. If we're going to make things right, if we're going to carry on with any kind of integrity, I think it's going to have to be one-on-one. Brother Branham, uh, he made this statement all the time. He used to say that, uh, you know, it's not the bird that pecks on the apple, it's the worm within that destroys it. He often said that. And I I found a a quotation by, uh, he was a historian, his name is Alexander Toynbee, and he wrote a book called A Study of History. I feel for history teachers now, not only because I'm married to one, but because uh, in our culture we're trying to change history so quickly. But he made this comment. He said, great nations are never defeated from the outside. Rather, they decline from the inside. It's not the bird on the outside that pecks on the apple. It's the worm on the inside. And so it begs the question, if American families really fall apart, and they are. They are. If American families really fall apart, do we really think that there's going to be some sort of a tie that'll be strong enough to bind us together outside of uh, outside of the God uh, of our fathers? Is is there some sort of is there is there going to be a government program? Is there going to be some uh, somebody tied together? Uh, families, which in a sense, which, which in turn will tie together our society. Do, do you think that's that's going to happen if we uh, systematically take the Scripture out and take God out, take righteous principles out, take morality out, and take all those things away from each oncoming culture, each oncoming generation? Do we think there's going to be anything that ties the families together when you take God out? It's not been going so well. And so therefore, I think it's good for us to, uh, talk about this idea of shalom in the home and, uh, making sure that we operate in our homes in a, in a, in a godly and a consistent way. The Jewish proverb says, shalom in the home, domestic tranquility is the ultimate blessing. Now, I really like this, uh, this is another version, the amplified version of 1 Peter 5, 5. If you have your Bible open there, and we're gonna use our Bible in just a moment here, this is another reading of the text we just had. It says, Likewise, you younger men of lesser rank and experience, be subject to your elders and seek their counsel. And all of you clothe yourselves with humility toward one another. Tie on the servant's apron. I like that. For God is opened, opposed to the proud, the disdainful, and the presumptuous, and he defeats them. But he gives grace to the humble. So Peter here is giving advice to Christians, you know, just in general on how we should act one towards another. And he says we should clothe ourselves with humility one towards another, tie on the servant's apron. In other words, it's not important that you always win the argument. It's not important that you always be the leader. It's not important as you always are the one giving the direction and giving the orders. But we're all called here to serve God, right? And in serving one another, we serve God. Uh, for God is opposed to the proud, and he gives grace to the humble. We know that that's very true. All right. So here's Brother Branham now talking about uh, this idea of shalom. And Brother Branham doesn't mention uh, the phrase shalom very much. He sh- talks about uh, shalom Manasseh, uh, back in, the, in one of the names of God. But he says the reason I'd say shalom to the church, and he starts in 1964. This is the first time he talks about uh, or takes a sermon called shalom. And he's, he's seeing something that it's like he's never seen before. And he realizes in 1963, a lot of, uh, a lot of turning points have, have occurred. A lot of major things have occurred. And now in 1964, it's like he pulls the stops out. And, he, and he's, he's letting us know something here. He said, the reason I'd say shalom to the church is because that it's God's peace. We're looking forward to the breaking of a new day. And we, we, know, we know just in, in, in a general sense, prophets are lifted up higher than we're able to see. And lifted up higher than we go. Right. And so they when you're lifted up higher, you see horizons that the people on earth don't see. And it's almost like he's looking at something that's changing or something that's coming. And we can see it breaking over the horizontal realm between mortal and immortality, between heavens and earth from an earthbound sickness and troubled world into a bright shining day of an immortal life, an immortal body and an immortal earth that shall never pass away. We're breaking out of something and into something else. And he said, it's, it's shalom unto the church. It's light time coming for the believers, but a gross darkness for the people. So all of what I said previously are characteristics of a world that is moving into greater darkness all the time. But believers are not. We're moving against that tide into a season of light in a world that's changing and breaking, uh, breaking open for us to enter that the world knows nothing about. So, in other words, the way that we structure our lives and the way that we, have, we develop uh, absolutes in our lives and the way that we teach absolutes to our children, that the Scripture is the thing that matters most and serving God is the thing that matters most and being in the will of God is the thing that matters most. Paying your tithes is the most important thing you can do with your money. Isn't that right? It's good to save and it's good to pay your house off, but the most important thing you do with your money is to give God the first tenth part of your income. Right? Right? And and we we kinda have a different priority. That uh you know when, when the church doors open, we, we like to be strive to be there. And it's not because we're forced to be there or Brother Barry's gonna text you if you don't show up. It's more it's more a force that, that that drives you to it. I just wanna I enjoy the company of the saints. I enjoy uh you know the singing and the worship. I enjoy being together, I enjoy learning what I can, I enjoy being challenged by the preaching of the word. And faith comes by hearing the word. I believe this, if you open your heart a little bit, you'll be better going out of here than when you came in. You'll be less stressed going out than when you came in. Unless you've been on vacation for a week. It's shalom unto the church. And Brother Bram saying it's a time of peace, it's a time of uh, re- renewal that is going on for the church. And uh, he said it's for them because, uh, you know, God has taken this church somewhere. But mark my words, it's not the same place that the world is going in. It's not the same direction the world is going in. We're flowing in an opposite direction. And therefore it's gonna be, it's gonna be conflicting with this world that we're moving out of. They're going in one direction, we're moving in another direction, we're flowing against the tide out of this world, and they're moving into a tribulation and gross darkness that the scripture speaks about. So therefore, we can't, we, you know, essentially we can't rely on the government to bring moral reform. I mean, uh, you know, the, 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 the current administration uh, is, is forwarding the agenda of uh, Sodom and Gomorrah as we speak here in, a, in an aggressive way. It's not a passive way. It's a very aggressive way. So in a sense, we feel a little more isolated all the time as, as Christian as Christians, we feel a little bit more, uh, you know, in a sense, ostracized or uh, a little apart from from where the mainstream is going. Used to be, used to be, you could uh, object. Used to be that you could, uh, you know, raise, raise your hand and object to things. But now you find out quickly that you're outnumbered. I, I remember uh, a number of years ago. In the last days of Boy Scouts, before Boy Scouts changed over to whatever it is now, um, I remember that I was the chaplain of our troop. And I did that because Lucas was still involved. He was the last, last of the last, and uh, he was still there. So they asked me to stay on as a chaplain there. there was 20, we, had a, we had a meeting uh, of all the leaders, all the men who were leaders of the scout troop. And it's a large troop. So there was 21 men who were there. And uh, the the scoutmaster asked me, who was a devout Christian, he asked me would I address the group and explain to them about the consequences of allowing girls in the Boy Scouts and allowing uh, gay leaders in the Boy Scouts and all the other things that were changing very quickly and and making the Boy Scouts quite different and, you know, would, that we should object to it. He wanted me to rally the troops so we would object to it. And we had a letter drafted that we were going to send to the headquarters and let them, Uh, let them see what uh, we we thought about it. I mean, at least even if nothing happened, I think it's a good thing to object to to the evils of this world. I had 21 lines on there for signatures at the end of the presentation. I was going to circulate the letter around and give it out. And everybody, of course, is quick to criticize things that go on in our world, but when it comes to actually putting their name down now, that's a different thing. And so I got up and gave a presentation and you know, some guy made a comment, and he said, well, you know, really, is it all that bad? And all of a sudden, he opened the, opened the door, and then people said, well, you know what, uh, my, if my, my employer says that if I uh, make any kind of criticism against the Boy Scouts because of this new policy now, my job could be in jeopardy. And down the line they went. And at the end of the the meeting, there was only two signatures on the letter. Supposed to be 21. There's only two signatures on the letter, Scoutmaster and mine. So, you know, it's it's not a thing where uh, everybody's going to rally to your point of view at all. That's not the way it is anymore. And that's kind of a lonely place. Wouldn't you agree? It's not a wrong place. It's just a lonely place. Because it's not the way it used to be, but that's the way it is. So, you've got the opportunity to make your home a fortress against Sodom and Gomorrah. you got your—you got the opportunity, uh, you have the right, as still at this point, to make your place a safe place against the wiles of Sodom and Gomorrah. And I think we should take advantage of that. And Brother Branham did the same thing in 1957. He said, if you learn to love and be kind to everybody and be gentle and have patience, it will even make your home life different. It will make your associations different. And God will honor it. So it's important for us to try to find out what God honors. And that's why we're looking at this tonight. Blessed is everyone that feareth the Lord, that walketh in his ways. For thou shalt eat the labor of thine hands. Happy shalt thou be, and it shall be well with thee. I showed you this scripture before. It's all pivotal it's all based on the man that walks in God's ways. Everything that happens down the line in this, in this chapter is all consequent for a man who walks in God's ways. He says, Thou shalt eat the labor of thine hands, happy thou shalt thou be. It shall be well with thee. Thy wife shall be as a fruitful vine by the sides of thine house. Children shall be like olive plants, round about the table, or grow up fast. Behold, uh, that thus shall the man be blessed that feareth the Lord. The Lord shall bless thee out of Zion. Thou shalt see the good of Jerusalem all the days of thy life. Thou shalt see thy children's children and peace upon Israel. As I said, I would like to do whatever I could in my life and in my household so that my children and my children's children are blessed. Brother Bam said, Remember now, you're living for God and you have one objective, and that's Christ. Outside of that, nothing else counts. He said, that's him. He's first. Then secondly, for your family. Thirdly, for yourself. But first, for God. Next, for your family. Next, for you. You're number three, or put yourself last. In other words, the priority is contrary to Laodicea. It's not about you. It's about serving God first. And so, therefore, uh, as we've diagrammed this out, Paul describes this in Ephesians chapter 5, and he said this is a a great mystery of the relationship between Christ and the bride. And he wants to be intimately connected to the bride of Christ. He wants to be, uh, he wants to be one with her, right? He wants to be invisibly united with her in this world so that we can be uh, truly united on the other side uh, when we get there. Brother Branham said this is the progression here, that all God was, he poured into Christ. All Christ was, he poured into the church. Same God. And he said all of that happens to take us back to the Garden of Eden again. Aren't you glad you're on your way? Because that's the purpose that God had through the ages there in the plan of redemption. So in that structure, in that program that God had, every one of us have a head. Every one of us, which we find in Scripture and lots of, lots of different places there, every one of us are under headship. Isn't that right? It's not just the women who are under headship, but I'm under headship as well. I have a responsibility uh, to answer to God for things that I do and things that I say. I think it is a, I think it is a, a terrible thing when you see uh, the wrong interpretation of subjection Uh, practiced. Meaning that, uh, you know, men are, men are the strong one and women have to bow to them and do whatever they want to. That's a really gross misinterpretation of subjection. And let's deal with that just a little bit here tonight. But that's, that's the picture from Scripture is that every one of us who are on the earth have a headship and you young people might look at that and say, hey, not me. Well, the Bible says, children obey your parents in the Lord for this is right. So, Kids have, well, in a sense, kids have three heads, right? They have the Lord, and they have the father, and they have the mother, and uh, so they're well protected. Brother Bram said about Abraham Lincoln, he said not because he was a Republican, but because uh, what he was... He was a godly man, and he was raised to serve God. In other words, Lincoln was a good person because of who he was and was raised to serve God. And he said, if there's anything that I want to praise to, give praise to, or my life was influenced by, was a godly mother who taught me to pray and to know Jesus as my Savior. Abraham Lincoln was never part of any kind of formal church at all, uh, but he was certainly a, a man who was a believer. Matter of fact, occasionally Lincoln would go to different uh, churches and assemblies where people were as a matter of fact as a matter of fact he went one time when he was in Illinois he was still in law school and he was in Illinois and some of his friends invited him to a church service where they said it was a revival going on and his revivalist was pretty famous and Lincoln said well I'll go along and they all went in an open wagon that's that's the times he lived in they all rode to church when they got there they had one of those uh, revival type meetings and uh this man who was the preacher there, he, he looked around the audience at the end of the service and he pointed his finger right down at Abraham Lincoln and he said, there's a man here, he said, who will be involved in the future destiny of this country, he said, in a great way and it will involve the Negroes of this country and pointed down at the back at, at Abraham Lincoln. He was still a law school student back then. So, Lincoln. That's why Brother Branham always talked favorably about Lincoln. And he said, "Your family is what you are. You raise your child in a certain environment, and it's got a 98% better chance to go right than it has if you bring them up the wrong way." There's no guarantee with parenting. You don't always—they're not like cookies. You can't put the right ingredients in and pop them out of the oven and they're perfect. There's still—I uh, mean, I, as as we all can say, we know uh, good parents who've done all they know to do to raise their children, and the kids turn out wild. And then there's parents who uh, were lackadaisical in their raising kids and then had good kids turn out. It's a bit of a mystery. But the scripture tells us in Proverbs, bring up a child in the way that it should go, and when it's old it shall not depart from it. That scripture verse is really interesting. And it, is, it relates to that, that phrase, bring up a child, train up a child in the way it should go. Uh, it, it is a, a word for the mouth and the tongue and the palate which is an interesting way that Solomon says it. And he says it like this, that when a mother is beginning to wean that child off milk onto solid food, he said that mother will chew up her own food and take her finger and wipe it inside her mouth and put her finger inside the child's mouth. And when she does that, she gives the child a taste for the food that she's eating. And that's the phrase that Solomon used here when it comes to raising children. He said, bring up a child in the way it should go. So as long as the mother is eating the right thing and sharing that with the child, she wipes it on the roof of the child's mouth, then the child becomes accustomed to whatever the mother is feeding on. It becomes acquainted. How do you think those Mexican babies eat hot food? It's because they're acclimatized to it. They're introduced to it at a little at a time, very little at a time, by their mothers when they're really small and they're being weaned. and They get a taste for that and they develop a taste for that. That's how that happens. And so you can easily take that in the spiritual side and say, hey, listen, you can see the great job that mothers have to do to take what they're feeding on and introduce it to their children so that their children become used to that. May God help mothers to be feeding on the right thing. you don't want to take Facebook and wipe it into your child's mouth. We should be brought up right. Teach your children to do right. To be honest. To be square and fair. Even when they're in school. Why is he saying that? Because as we do that, we continue to allow a channel to be open where God can bless that child and lead that child. And bring it on into its own home and marriage and relationship as well. Because you want to teach it to stay with the principles that God will honor. Even if they're contrary to the society that they live in, we're still going to do it right. Somehow or another, someone got to Daniel before he left Jerusalem and went to Babylon. Because when he got to Babylon, his values didn't change. Right? As a matter of fact, when Babylon tried to change his values and his uh, his meaning of what was right and wrong, he reverted back to it and said, I'll challenge you, let me alone practicing what I know and just see if God will honor that. And God did. So even in captivity, it's right to do right. We never have a right to do wrong. Are we okay? All right. So let's go a little bit further here. Now, Brother Branham says, Now i got to just let me... Uh, introduce this to you here. I, I, I did I told you about this little uh, incident before it's a couple of screens long here We get uh, rare glimpses into brother bram's counseling to people, but it's really it's really great uh, Because he gives us real insight And this was a, a couple that was in his church and the boy and the girl were engaged Some of you might remember this from a long while back and they were engaged and this boy turned and broke that engagement off with that girl and there was an offense committed there. It wasn't any kind of a moral offense, but it was some offense there, and they broke off the engagement, and the parents came to Brother Branham, and they wanted to have him explain or try to fix this as the pastor of the church. By the way, this is a, it's what we call a pastor's nightmare, because we don't want to fix a broken engagement. It's a very, very tough thing to fix a broken engagement, because for all intents and purposes, listen to me now, for all, intents and purposes, for all intents and purposes, Brother Branham's statements about engagement are pretty serious. Just like the scriptures that relate to vows in the Bible are very serious. You're better off never making a vow than making one and then breaking it. Because in the eyes of God, that vow is made forever. So now, if a person breaks an engagement, there's always a shadow associated with that. I'm sorry, but that's the way it is. If we have a broken engagement, this is not this quote, but if we have a broken engagement, now people are going to come to the pastor eventually, if they don't right now, and say, can this girl remarry? Can this boy remarry? That's a tough one. And you might sit there and say, oh, wow, hey, I know what Brother Ram said. Until it's your child, then you'll come in a different way. So I'll tell you what, this is why, this is why we have youth retreats. Because I think it's a good idea to get young people together and teach them about things and not to make foolish promises before the time. And make, make insincere commitments before the time. Because someone wants to change their status. Or because someone wants to wear a ring. Or whatever else. You're better off making sure that that's the will of God and that's what we're supposed to do. Because we don't want to have to deal with this. Okay? Okay? So what's this? Let's look at it. So here's Brother Branham now. He's describing in service what he told that family. So this is great. This is like the interview with Sister Bruce, okay? I love this. I mean, you may not love this, but I think it's absolutely great because it gives us some really good insight. Now, he said, you thinking you have, let me insert the Holy Ghost, and having the Holy Ghost is two different things. You might be able to try to say you have the Holy Ghost, and you might be able to show some evidence of some emotion. But unless your life is vindicating what you're professing to have, you still haven't got it. Gotta come from within, right? Gotta be on the fruits have got to be on display. So no matter how many emotions and how much you jump and run, sensations, speaking in tongues, shouting, whatever you might lay upon, which is all right, I believe in all that too, but unless your life copes with your testimony, you haven't got it. Now, this young fellow's parents, his mother is German, no reflection on the German, but there's a strain in that family. And they'll just sit, you can talk to them, they'll just stare you right in the face. And the father of the boy is an Irishman, moody, high-tempered. That's his whole family like that, except one other out of the family who was converted. And this father and the mother of this boy are both Christians filled with the Holy Ghost. And they have brought this young man up in the way of the Lord. That's right, and that's what they're supposed to do. And now the young man's about 17, 18 years old, very fine kid, been a model uh, boy at home, nice kid. But the mother's family lives close, a fine church. Do you think they'd ever come over here? No. And they know it's right, but it's just not in them to ask forgiveness or ask pardoning. They're the German side. Now the genes in the father and the mother of this boy, no matter how much they are converted still remains the flesh that's been interbred out to this boy. So this boy is a mixture of the German and the Irish, right? He said, even if they're born again now, he said they're still there, no matter how much they're they're converted. Therefore, the boy has got a complex in him, just like from his mother's family, and they're not forgiving, and they will not apologize. Anybody know anybody who cannot apologize? I do. And that's where that boy stands. And I said to the father, now look at you, out at your family. All of them, drunks, fighting, shooting, and so forth. Now look at your family, to the mother. And, you know, (laughs) the Irish and the German, that's quite a mix. There's a bunch of people set there, won't speak, very independent, very irreverent to religion. But it's not you, he says to the mother, it's not you. You're the only one of all your sisters and brothers that are sweet and kind and forgiving. And what does that? You're part of that family tree, yet you've received the Holy Ghost. And that's the thing that made you tender and sweet. It's not your people anymore. It's your Christ that lives in you. How many are glad for that statement? Don't you realize, if you were... Well, let's say it this way. If I was still predominantly displaying the characteristics of my dad and my mom, This would be a pretty different service. I'll guarantee you, as a matter of fact, there'd only be one service because you'd never have me back. I can just assure you of that. So it's not me, but now it's Christ in me. Otherwise, we'd all be the same, right, as what this boy is. He's a product of two cultures and two sets of genes here. And I said to the boy, look at your family. Practically all of them are drunks and so forth. And how moody, high-tempered. Uh, but you're not. You know, fighting Irish. They just as soon fight just look at you. And you're kind and forgiving. What is it? It's the Holy Spirit. You're no more, uh, what, you're, you're no more what you are. He said, but it's Christ in you. Now the same thing has happened. The, now that same thing has to happen to your son. Hey, I'm glad that salvation is stronger than genealogy. Salvation is stronger than genealogy. That has to happen to your son. I, let me tell you, it has to happen to your son. It has to happen to your daughter. And the best way for it can happen is for you to create an atmosphere where the Holy Spirit is always welcome in your house. It has to have discipline. It has to have order. It has to have decency. It has to have Boundaries. And I will tell you something. That children cannot rule that household if the Holy Spirit's ever freely going to come into it. It's never going to work. It's absolutely never going to work. And he said, now the same thing has to happen to your son. And the father raised up and said, my son went to the altar. He was baptized correctly in the name of Jesus Christ. I know my son has come to Christ. That's what the father says to Brother Brown. And I said, that may be right. All the outward motions... He might be identified as a believer with the believers. But until he is regenerated and born again, I'd advise that young man to never marry a woman. He'll make hell on earth for her until that gentle, sweet, forgiving spirit of Christ comes in. How would you like him for your pastor? He'll make hell on earth for her. Now, it doesn't seem that way on the wedding day, because everything is nice and pretty, and flowers, and everybody's dressed up, right? Gifts, venues, music. But that's not where, that's not where marriage happens. That's where weddings happen. Marriages happen after that. then that will be a paradox in itself to take the very nature of that boy. That's his sermon title, a paradox. That will be a real paradox in itself to take the very nature of a boy that's bred between father and mother, Irish and German, and yet in his intellectuals he's trying his best to overcome it. He can't do it. He'll never do it. He'll never overcome it. Christ will have to overcome it. And when he lets Christ in, Then he's already overcome them. It'll be a perfect paradox when a man is born of the Spirit of God. Wow. So you can see what a great responsibility parents have, right? And, And, you know, coming to the church, hey, it's a great thing. But just coming to the church and being in the church, having your carcass in the church, is not a new birth. And we have to make sure we teach our children that very truth, that very way, because, uh, you know, you I, I mean, its I think it's a great thing that kids are raised in the message because there's no greater uh, church teaching to have. Because right from the get-go, they're being taught right things, like, you know, to, uh, for girls to dress right and not to cut their hair and for boys to conduct themselves right and, you know, begin to, uh, you know, grow into manhood and all the other things that they're hearing, uh, even if they hear just little bits and pieces, they do hear. Like I said the other day about little kids putting fifty cents in the envelope and putting that in the tithe uh box, those are examples of things they're hearing somewhere. Whether they hear it from me or whether they're hearing it from you, they're hearing you're you're shaping, you're shaping their thinking. And it's better for them to be in this church to have their shape their thoughts shaped correctly than be say in a Trinitarian church uh where they're hearing something very contrary, or whether they're hearing rock music in a in a modern church, right? And thinking that's okay. So parents have a great job. They have a great responsibility. And I'm just here to tell you that whatever way I can help you, I, I'm, I'm glad to do that because I feel very passionate about this. And so therefore, uh, when we when we talk about establishing a household for God and having shalom in that household, we want to have a place where the Holy Spirit's always welcome. And that simply means that you've got to always make sure that nothing creeps in that's going to be grievous to the Holy Spirit. Second thing is that you want to make your house a place that's separate from Sodom. That this is not the world. We don't do the things that the people in the world do. We don't bring in the things that people enjoy in the world here. This is separate from Sodom. There's a door between my place and the place of the world. There's a door between my house and the cosmos. And that door has to remain a barrier. Otherwise, the world will try to force its way in. Just like those those people tried to force their way into Lot's house. You remember that? They were, trying, they were beating on the door. They were trying to force their way in from Sodom. They were trying to come inside. And Lot held that door shut. That was the barrier between the world and the, and, and the cosmos. Better to be like Abraham, separated completely up on the mountain there. But the home also, as I've said to you before, is a place where preparations are made to leave this world. When the plagues were handed out, do you remember the last one? The last one reached inside the home of everybody who lived in Egypt. Whether you were Egyptian or Jewish, it reached inside the home of everyone, and they had to apply the token. That, that law, that requirement, was for everybody in the nation, wasn't it? And so therefore, God was saying that now we're going to make preparations to leave this world. We're going to leave this place. God's making a change. He's turning a corner. There's no vote. There's no uh, debate about it. This is happening now, and you just got to be ready. And the way you apply yourself is through Obedience. And so you want to teach your children that whether I'm here looking at you or standing over you or not, you still have to obey God's word because it's God's word. Not because I said it, not because Brother Barry said it, but because it's God's word. That's why we have to obey it. And if you're teaching your children that principle alone, that we we adhere, we believe, we apply God's word because it's God's word, uh, let me tell you, God will honor that. God, that's the thing that God's looking for us to do. Because we can't determine the outcome of their life. We cannot determine whether they're going to be saved or not. You're, in your job description, Holy Spirit is not there. Savior is not there. You didn't have to go to Calvary for anybody. So it's not in your job description. You don't have to do that. You don't have to be a martyr. You don't have to be a Savior. You don't have to be one that fills them with the Holy Ghost. You don't have to do that. It's not there. That's for God. You just got to create the atmosphere into which He can come anytime and do the work that He wants to do in the heart of everyone in your household. Right? And so I would say this to you husbands that are here, that you should appeal to God in the difficult times on the basis of the position God's put you in. In other words, as a dad... I've often, I've often prayed this way and say, Lord, I'm coming to you as a father. And as a father, I've got a certain position that you put me in as a priest to this household. And so therefore, a priest was one who acted as an intermediary between the people and God, and he's one who prepared the sacrifices and did all the things that he did. He's an intercessor, in a sense, between the people and God. Now, Lord, I'm here as a father, and I'm asking you to take me in the position I'm in and hear my prayer and give me an answer or direction about what we should do. I've prayed that way many times. And I I will say this to you moms that are here. I think it's good for you to learn to pray within your position as well. So that you can say, hey, Lord, if nobody else in this household sees the problem, I'm coming to you as a mother here. I'm not trying to be the father. I'm not trying to be the dad and be the overlord here. But I'm just praying from my position that you put me in as a mother to these children. And mothers have responsibilities. And, Lord, I'm coming to you on the basis of that position that I'm in and asking for your help. God will do it. You'd be surprised. And Brother Ram said there's righteous people walking in all the light of the Lord. I'm not going to be long here. He said that's the kind of home that God can get into. And if you're serving all kinds of parties and beer and everything in your house, God will never visit you there. But if you've got a home that's cleaned up and living for God with prayer and the Bible open and a few tear stains on it, God can visit you because you've opened up a channel that He can come to. When we say the word channel, all the young people would know what that meant. But this is a little different. And you need to explain to them that if they'll only keep that channel opened up and and cleared out. We want to clear the channel out. So there's nothing in there obstructing the Holy Spirit coming through to your household. That's the way to live your life. Not just, not just uh, in, in your household today. But you want to live your life so that you're always in a position the Holy Spirit can stop by whenever He wants to. Wherever you are, it doesn't matter. I remember one time. I, I, I mean, this is this is really out, but I remember one time Peter and I were over in Siberia, and we were coming out of Siberia. Uh, for uh, we had meetings over there, and when I was on my way to Siberia, we wound up in in an airport in Moscow, and they had a snowstorm over in Siberia, which is not unusual. And you know, like smart people, we were going to Siberia in November, and it was pretty cold. And but that's the best way to see Siberia because all the bugs are dead. And I, we were in the airport with our luggage for like two and a half days. It was brutal. And in the, <laughs> in the airport, every now and then, you know, you doze off. And we had to put our feet on our luggage so it didn't get stolen. We had to put our, you know, our, our carry-on bags under our arms so they didn't get stolen because they'd steal everything uh, in, in the airport. And I woke up uh, early on in the game in our, in our pilgrimage in the airport I woke up, and I was looking for my glasses, and I never, I never, I couldn't find them. I looked all around, couldn't find them, and sure enough, they were stolen. Somebody, they said that somebody had walked by and bumped into your bag, and and uh, so so they were stolen, so I never had my glasses. Now, for me to go real long without my glasses, uh, I can do it for a little while, but I'm really not real good without my glasses. So... After a day or two and flying out there and, and having services, I, I, let me tell you, it was really I had headaches constantly. And they brought me to an optometrist where uh, they, they had glasses, boxes of gla- eyeglasses that were rejects from people who were buying new ones. So these are old ones. And so I tried on, I wound up taking two pairs, one that I could see up close if I wanted to read, and another one if I, so I could see far off. They happened to be like women's glasses. They were really big. Like this, you know, with the big round plate glass window type ones, you know. And so I'd be in the pulpit with two sets of glasses and I'd put one on to read and I'd switch and I'd say, Now And came back and and wound up I, I mean I, by the time I left I was just miserable. And I, 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 I told Peter, I'm just gonna I'm just gonna sleep on the plane and coming back. And this was in the middle of the night. There was a snowstorm out there, and the seats didn't have padding on them. It was just wire springs on the seats, an old plane that they had. And we had about an eight-, nine-hour flight, and we were going back, and it was freezing in the plane. We had our parkas on. And I was just, I said to Peter, hey, I'm just going to sleep, and you wake me up when we get there. I, I don't care anymore. I just got to close my eyes because it's so painful, so frustrating without the glasses. And so just before I went to sleep, I took my Bible out, and I was reading the Old Testament about Samuel and the kings and the the succession of folks that came from Samuel. Well, let me tell you something. The Holy Spirit just came right on me in that plane, and I stayed awake the whole time reading the history of... Of the kings of Israel and Solomon's lineage and all the way that that went out there. That experience still stays with me. That was years and years ago. And it still stays with me because God quickened that, uh, that, that portion of scripture to me so real that, uh, you know, in Bible trivia now, I could beat any of you in naming all those kings and who came first and who came second. It was just so, uh, just so impressed on my heart. And that's not what I was asking for. But, you know, when you keep the channel open, he can come anytime and visit you. And the benefits, they last for years and years and years. And you never, you never know those things. You never, you don't plan those things at all. But let me tell you, when you have that channel open, and the best thing you can do is tell your children to keep that channel open and, and, and just be always, always willing to let the Holy Spirit draw near to you. But He'll never do it in an atmosphere of unbelief. He'll never do it when you're willfully disobeying His Word he'll never do it when you have the wrong kind of atmosphere in your house. And that's what brother bram is telling us right here. But when you when you have the right setup and you have the right atmosphere, God will come to that. Now, let me just if you don't mind, let me just skip here and I'll I'll, I'll just close this here. In in Deuteronomy chapter 31 it says to be strong and be of good courage and fear not. Nor be afraid of them, the people who you'll see in the in the land. For the Lord thy God, He is with thee, that He is, He it is that doth go with thee, and He will not fail thee nor forsake thee. Do you believe that? God let the Hebrew children walk right into the fiery furnace, and He never turned a hand. He's always there. Don't be scared. He never turned a hand, let Him go, but He was there. He's watching Him. He's always present. Then if the footsteps of a righteous man is ordered of the Lord, what have we got to fear? If God be for you, who can be, who can be against you? So in your house, you have the right to apply those things, even when things get difficult and things get hard, and they will. But even hard times have good outcomes. Sometimes God puts you through hard things to bring out something that you never even knew was there. You remember, years ago, I showed you a picture of the lodgepole pine, and this is found out west. And it's a kind of a tree that has cones that fall off, and those cones will just sit on the ground until they experience an exposure to a real high temperature, such as a forest fire. And the only way they'll open up is that they have the real high, intense, pressurized heat that comes from an intense heat that comes from a forest fire. And then they open up and and, uh, they, they mature. They open right up as soon as they encounter that. So in other words, God says that it doesn't really... Listen, even in the most difficult of times, even in the most in, in the worst of circumstances, I've got something in reserve here that's going to come out of this. And you're not planning. You're not expecting. But I've created things that, that are, in a sense, they're products of even the bad things that happen in your life. And just because bad things happen to us doesn't mean that God can't bring something good out of it. Because if God be for us, who can be against us? And you may have had a troubled childhood. That's have our musicians just slip up quickly. You may have had a bad past. You may have had a bad childhood. You may have had things that happened to you that you regret and cannot really shake off. But I will tell you something, that in, in the economy of God, he knows, he knows a whole lot more about where this is all going to take you than what you know. God very often has seeds there that that need to have, they actually need to have a calamity in order to bring out qualities that are going to lay there until that calamity comes. That's a strange way of thinking, but his ways are not our ways. His ways are higher than our ways. Your best strategy in order to have shalom in the home is to is to just know exactly what God requires in order for us to have a home that's, uh, you know, a household for God, and then just say, like, take those three priorities there, those, those three things that I listed there, and aim towards them. Aim towards those things That a place where, uh, you know, God prepares his, his people to leave. What's God requiring of us in the last day? What are we supposed to be like in the last day when this thing is winding up? A place where Sodom is, 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 has got a barrier, where so- Sodom no longer has entry into this household. And, and practice those things. And, and let me tell you something, when you're doing it in faith and you're doing it because the Word of God says so, the chances of you having shalom in your home are a lot greater than if we just allow this cosmos to rule. Because this cosmos, if I understand the scriptures right and the prophecies right, this cosmos is moving towards gross darkness, grosser darkness all the time and if you let it it will lead you and it'll lead your children and it'll influence your children towards that darkness i would rather go down fighting i would rather go down trying to instruct you and everybody else who listen in whatever way i can in order to influence kids towards the right i think one day you'll appreciate that i think i think you do but i think uh, you know believers will when we get down to the end of the road and everything that can be shaken will be shaken I think believers will appreciate that. These are not my guidelines. They're not my principles. They're not my prophecies at all. They're not my uh, forecast about what's coming. It's all God's. And so, therefore, if it is God's and truly God has said it and proven everything else he's said to be right, it's worth paying attention to. It's worth applying. And it's worth ass- making sure that you don't assume somebody else is going to do it for you. It really is up to us. Whether you're an individual or whether you're a mom and dad, a grandparent, doesn't matter we have to apply those things that are required of us because that's how we have shalom in the home. Let's stand to our feet. <clears throat> Let's just sing that little chorus, Create in Me a Clean Heart. In the, I think it's F. Are we in F there? Create in me a clean heart. O
5: God, and renew a right spirit within me, yes, create in me a clean. time, just close your eyes. Make it your prayer now. Turn your eyes upon Jesus. Look full in His wonderful face. Thank you, Jesus. And the things of Will grow strangely in the light of his glory and
4: praise. Heavenly Father, as we bow our hearts together, Lord, we just want to say it's been good to be in your presence, Lord, because there's always good things that you say to us, Lord, when we gather together. Father, we just pray now for these families, Lord, with the challenges they have in raising and influencing children, Lord, and grandchildren today. Lord, for our young people who are growing up, Father, may they realize that in order to have a household for God, God has to be at the center of everything they do. Lord, may they learn to live that life today and every day because it is you. And I pray, dear God, that you would give strength to parents and Father, may you just give them wisdom, especially, Lord, in the hour we live. We think, Lord, of Sister Kristen tonight, Lord, and we just commit her to you and pray that your Holy Spirit would bless her, Lord, and be with her. I pray all through the delivery of this child. You have seen her through, and I thank you for that, Lord, and ask you just to bless her. Lord, for Brother Frejo, Sister Christy. We pray, Lord, for Sister Mary Smith and ask your Father just to minister to her, be with her. And Lord, you know our hearts. You know the needs that we have within us. I pray, dear God, you would look at us through the blood of Christ. Deal with us not according to your judgments, Lord, but according to your mercy. Bless the balance of our week. We commit our time into your hands, Lord. and for. John, Anthony, and Hannah, we pray that, Lord, that your Holy Spirit would be present in all that's being done. and Lord, for the wedding and the ceremony, Lord, I pray that you would hold them in your hand and allow their beginning to be a blessed beginning. We commit them to you. Have your way now, we pray. And we'll give you thanks and praise for all you do for us. In the name of Jesus Christ, we pray. Thank you, Jesus. Sing this as you go tonight. May God bless you. We, we have Brother Keith who's going to be taking our stuff for Haiti, or for Guyana. Is it loaded? We don't have, we, we have a trailer out, out here, and we're going to be taking the boxes that we loaded Sunday. Thank you to everybody who was there to help load the boxes. And we need a couple of guys, young backs to bring the stuff from there to the parking lot. We're going to load that up. Brother Keith is going to Maryland tomorrow It'll be delivered by noon. Thank you for uh, helping out and bringing stuff. We're going to do it again and so we'll give you another opportunity to, to do it uh, as well. So after service is over. God bless you as you go tonight. Let's sing this as we go. Lord, I want to love you more
5: than I am.